The Start On Demand. On demand. Concession prices on fan-favorite items like pizza and beer are going down at Winnipeg Jets games. Is that going to make a difference for your experience? Mayor Brian Bowman joins us to talk budget. Manitobans are going bonkers for bingo. Kathy Kennedy, the host of Kinsman Jackpot Bingo, weighs in on the lengths to which people are going to get a ticket for the record jackpot of $640,000. And when you go to a restaurant, are you a fan of the side sit I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, January 29th podcast for The Start. McNabb, I just wanted to uh, give you perhaps a preemptive apology. Uh Uh-oh. Because there is a good chance that Greg and I might just nod off during the show. We both had some interesting sleep <laughs> adventures Uh-oh. yesterday. Uh-oh. And it, it's reminiscent of this episode of Seinfeld. Ailey, uh, listen, uh, do me a favor, will you? I got a hot day tonight with Connie. Knock on my door, wake me up in 20 minutes, all right? Getting up? No, 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 this is evolutionary. I've been reading this book on Leonardo da Vinci. See, that means from vintage, you know that? Must be some book. Yeah, well, it turns out that the master slept only 20 minutes every three hours. Now, that works out to two and a half extra days that I'm awake per week, every week. Which means if I live to be 80, I will have lived the equivalent of 105 years. (laughs) That didn't work out for him. He went on to sleep while he was standing up. It was, sorry, 20 minutes every three hours? Yeah. So that's not quite what happened to me yesterday, but I went to my dad's, ended up being horrible company because I was falling asleep on the way there, had to lie down when I got there, and I slept on and off for maybe two hours, and then uh, I didn't go to bed, or I was still awake at 10 when I guess I fell asleep on the couch, woke up at midnight, oh, tried no. to go to sleep, uh, didn't fall asleep to like 1.30, and then I ended up sleeping in a little bit, but so I slept for like on and off for two hours, two hours on the couch. And then 45 minutes. So I'm a little tired. And Greg kind of had ended up having a similar situation. Everything was disjointed yesterday. I was telling Brett that I went three different times to school to deliver or pick up children yesterday. Oh, no. And so that just really messes <laughs> That's up. That's where you got to be like, I'm not coming back unless there is like a limb missing. <laughs> just uh, the way it went down yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> one of the boys got out of school at a regular time. The other one had a guitar lesson, and then the other one had volleyball last night. Uh, okay. Needed to get delivered to a school. I thought it was so, more like I forgot my lunch, then I forgot my running yeah, shoes, and no, I forgot no, my oh, homework. Oh, kind no, you of forget thing. your lunch. You're on your own, man. <laughs> good, good. Eat your arm. I like it. I like it. Missy, <laughs> limb missing. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, if we fall asleep, uh, you're on your own. I have a question about uh, your when you go to your parents' place and you sleep, is your childhood bedroom still like a shrine to Brett? Oh, no. No, that was... Trophies uh, and Taco Bell paraphernalia abound? Yeah, my mom... (laughs) I still have my old Taco Bell uniform. I have no doubt. And my name tag that says Cashman Brett. Uh, The... No, my my bedroom was turned into... Like, my mom turned into a craft room. Nice. Okay. Fairly quickly. But, uh, no, I just slept on the couch in the living room. So I was just picturing six foot four on, like, the single bed from when you were eight, kind (laughs) of curled up, trying to figure out how to get comfortable i did end up i i slept on the same bed though uh from like the time i was a kid till i moved out to to the point where we had to like saw off the end of the bed (laughs) (laughs) because i was too too i was too tall for it so yeah wonder what the ladies thought of that 
Uh, there were they no ladies. Didn't is think this anything same, about it because the they never bad? saw it? <laughs> yes. Are you twenty-seven? No comment. <laughs> yeah, never happened there. <laughs> the adventures would happen elsewhere. So. <laughs> Adventures. Yes, yes. I like it. Let's go with that. Speaking of adventures, have you guys heard of all these people going crazy over the Kinsman bingo? Yesterday, I heard about this. Yeah. Their jackpot is up around a half a, a million bucks. It's jackpot. I think it, I want to say $600,000. It goes Saturday. And Kinsman jackpot bingo actually put out a Facebook post, which they later took down about the fact that people were, some people, a small group of people were chasing the courier who drops off these tickets in hopes of getting the tickets because it's not like a regular lotto. They don't just have an endless supply of lotto mm-hmm. tickets, right? There's only a finite number, which is why people like this bingo because your odds are better. Okay. But they've been apparently been chasing this. Some people, it's not funny. It's putting them in danger. And I just was curious. I've never wanted anything that bad that I would track someone down and stalk them like paparazzi. I was going to say, weren't they using the terminology in paparazzi-like they, fashion? They used it was in paparazzi-like fashion that people were trying to track down these couriers to get these tickets. I actually had a friend talk to me the other day about how uh, she phoned up and said, have you got your bingo ticket yet? And I had no idea what she was talking <laughs> about. And I was like, sorry, did I miss my 97th birthday where suddenly I'm buying thousands of bingo tickets? But people love it. We'll have to talk to KK about that later yes. on this afternoon because, of course, KK calls the bingo for Kinsman Jackpot bingo. So we'll find out. We'll maybe get the lowdown from her later on. It was reminiscent. I was telling you guys when the Winnipeg Sun did the search for gold contest back in the 80s. And my mother was obsessed with this. And I was working a a shift that allowed me to go searching for this thing in the middle of the night. Like a Willy Wonka thing, right? Like a golden ticket inside the paper. A literal hidden treasure somewhere in the city of Winnipeg. It was five grand. And it got to the point where people who were really obsessed, I have my hand in the air right now, Same. were at the loading dock at Same. the Winnipeg Sun on Church Avenue yep. to get the papers off, off, the, off the press. Were you there with me? I did, I did that. I think there was a stretch. I can't remember what year it was, but it was, I think, late 90s where me and my buddy Jamie, we, we, we became obsessed for just for like a couple of weeks and we'd be there on and off every night. And I remember searching the, uh, I think the, 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 by the, the base on Ness, uh, we thought that it was there and we weren't the only ones there. turns out we were way off. Way off. It was like not even in, in that corner of the city, but yeah, that was fun searching for gold in the middle of the night. My parents were not fans of that. They're like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> they wouldn't have said that if you had come home with 5k though. <laughs> yeah. You would have been the genius of the family. For sure. But yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of with this bingo stuff. And it was weird. Like when I, cause I had to go uh, get my dad's lottery tickets yesterday at the, there's a pop stop convenience store in Trans- Transcona, and I asked for, I just asked for a lottery ticket, and he said, we're sold out. And I said, what? You're sold out? Uh, oh, I thought you meant the Kinsman Jackpot oh, Bingo. Funny. And then the pharmacy, Regent Park Pharmacy, just down the, the on the other side of the strip mall, same thing. They have a big sign on the door that says, sold out, Kinsman Jackpot Bingo. So, yeah, I've never seen that kind of cla- or fervor. Uh, I honestly had, I did not know this was, I mean, I knew it was a thing on the weekends. Please don't. I grew up with Prairie Vision, so I understand that the bingo was a big deal. But I didn't know that there was this sort of like hoopla around getting the tickets and finding the right store that has the tickets. And I just I have never wanted anything that bad. But I can appreciate if you're into it. You want to play now, though, don't you? I kind of do. I bet you there's no tickets left, though. Or if there is, we're not telling anybody because they'll be hunted down. Yeah, can't have that. I was at the gas station last night on uh, Henderson and McLeod and both their front doors were smashed. And I thought, oh boy, it's been a robbery here. 
Uh, no, uh, eight o'clock yesterday morning, a uh, young woman who's only been driving for a few weeks did something wrong and crashed right into the oh, front no. door of the gra- gas station. They were all laughing about it, but that must have been scary. Do they serve gravy at uh, Bell MTS Place for uh, if, you get, if you get the yeah. poutine, you yeah. can get the, the gravy. I don't, I don't think, think you can get, get a side. I don't think you can get a side. And I don't think that gravy's on the list of things that they're going to cut the price on, but it might be a few other items. And, and we're asking you, Jets fans, if you go to the game, if you even go to uh, one a year, is concessions the thing that keeps you from going to more? Or do you find yourself not buying stuff at the game because the game itself is so expensive? And we're asking you this morning because uh, the Jets are making some significant cuts to concessions, and it might do a little bit to boost the mood at games, because I don't know if you've been to games recently Greg, but the buzz, the mood, the it's low. It's low. The team is not winning on home ice. I've outlined this uh, previously. They're about four games under 500 in their last 40 home games. They just have come off a dreadful streak at home, uh, losing seven of eight games at home. And, and the buzz in the building is kind of low. Uh, the Jets are out of the playoffs right now. They're still in the hunt, but... Fans don't seem to have the same level of enthusiasm as enough to cheer about. It feels as though they're waiting for the team to do something to entertain them versus the first five, six, seven years, the crowd was there to cheer on the team and to encourage them to do better things. So True North is hoping cuts to the concession prices will put a smile on a few faces. Announcing yesterday it will be reducing prices on some of its key items like pizza, Beer. Yeah. Yes. Popcorn by about 30%. Kevin Donnelly is the senior vice president of venues and entertainment at True North and says they chose those items deliberately. We've uh, offered the, the top five selling items. So it's beer, it's water, it's pop, it's popcorn, it's pizza. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to touch the most people we can. These are the highest selling items that we that we provide at the arena. And so we're, we're touching the most people we can with this offer. So um, where it goes from here, it's hard to say. But I think that at this point, we have really offered quite a broad array of products at a about 30% discount across the board. So uh, we're happy to announce it, happy to, you know, offer it now for the balance of the season. So what exactly does a 30% reduction look like? A soda used to cost 5.75, it's now 4 bucks. Bottled water has gone from $5 to 3.50 and the draft beer 10.75 to 7.50. It's got to be amongst the, the the most affordably priced beers for sure. I mean, some teams are doing timed prices where maybe it's for the first until the first period starts or first intermission. Uh, but we're, we're introducing these prices and they'll be in effect for the balance of the season. So will that actually get people to more games or even keep you longer at the games? I know in that Tampa Bay loss a couple weeks ago, was it 7-1 the score? And you could see people leaving. Not everybody stayed to the end, which is also a big change, I think, in that building, that when the team is losing, you're not sticking around. And and part of my thing, I used to stick around partly because I paid so much for the ticket. I was like, I'll be darned if I'm going home Early, I spent good money on this ticket, but the mood, like we said, it's just, it's weak right now, right? So even when the team's losing, will the concession prices, the changes, the cuts be enough to keep you in your seat or get you in the seats? We asked fans outside Bell MTS for their thoughts. I think it's a great idea. Oh, well, do you think it'll draw more fans? I think it probably will. I think so, because uh, beer's expensive when you go to the lounge and stuff like that. So I think 
maybe more fans will go and see them. That's says go Jets go if you ask me. Because the more they're going to have more of a team, they're going to have more people backing them up. They're just going to have more people streaming. Go Jets, go. Is it nice to be able to go to the games and pay a little less as a fan? Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, the prices have been the same. You already spend a lot of money going getting tickets, right? So, like, if you could spend money, you could save money anywhere. It's good. So, it's not as though the Jets are struggling attendance-wise. But if you have season tickets, you may be finding it more difficult to get rid of your tickets. And I don't mean just selling them. No, you can't get rid of them. Sometimes just finding someone to take your tickets on a night when you realize that you can't make it at the last minute. Uh, In previous years, I had no problem sending out a couple text messages. And the immediate response would be, yeah, I can come. How much do you want for the tickets? Now it's sort of a, hey, can I give you a pair of tickets at the last minute? Because I don't want them to go to waste. So things have changed on that front over the last nine years. And one of our listeners just texting now with, I think is a valid point, saying the real reason, in my opinion, why True North is trying this is that attendance is down, but it's a signing year for us season ticket holders. So that person might be a season ticket holder. And we don't have full attendance numbers, but we do know for the first time this season, I think it was in October, the Jets didn't have a sellout, right? It was the first time they didn't have a sellout. So we know that the numbers have been impacted and he's right or she's right. This is a signing year for season. Well, it is holders. pretty much every year because there are different levels of commitment. For sure. You have to sign a three year, a four year or a but five year. Some of us year might be agreement. coming in to oh, the three year or five year cycle. And that's of our, happening, uh, happening every year, just to be clear. Right. So that might be one of the reasons behind it. They have said that also the increase for season tickets this year is the lowest it's been two plus percent. That'll be for 2020, 2021, because they've gone up 28% cumulatively in the last nine years. Right. So if you've been a season ticket holder since 2011, you've paid a pretty steep increase every single year and you've come to see a team make it pretty far deep in the playoffs. And then also this past year, which they've been in that slump. We've had no dust and Bufflin on the ice. We've had some real injuries and Kevin Donnelly again with True North admits there are not a lot of things on the ice they can do, so they're doing what they can off ice. You know, there are certain things that are outside of our control, like wins and and loses, but trying to create an atmosphere, trying to create the the environment where, you know, people are encouraged to come or come early and, and to, you know, really uh, up the game in terms of having, having fun with their, with, with their pals or whatever the case is. So looking at creating an atmosphere that, that, people see value in that people want to come back to time and time again. We're cognizant of, you know, Winnipeg's a, a small town, it's a small market. And, and uh, you know, it, it is about getting social and, and hanging out with your buddies at these events. So, um, you know, you do what you can do. We, we, we've heard the messaging. We've heard some people commenting on it. And this is something that we're going to try and, and hopefully people respond. True North has spent over $55 million in upgrades at Bell MTS Place over the last six years or so. They're planning another $9 million this off-season to upgrade the in-game experience. Uh, partially, they're going to be investing in an on-ice uh, projection system that a lot of the teams have. This is a reaction, I think, not only to the slumping... Uh, feeling in the building and the atmosphere in the building, but this is a, a response and, and a realization that the overall, the, the game experience for some people just isn't what they expect for the money they're paying. And okay. it's not just about winning. Like, I want to win, don't get me wrong, but I'm not having the same good time that I used to five years ago. And it might just be because it's changed.
Text message at 204-780-6868. Nice they cut prices, but it's only for five items. All other concessions will remain the same. This includes hot dogs, burgers, etc. To me, it's not enough. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, before we do anything, Jeff Fortier, you just took a call off the air to a good friend of Winnipeg. Dancing Gabe. Dancing Gabe? What did Dancing Gabe have to say? It's his 57th birthday. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. To a Winnipeg legend. There's nothing better than getting that Christmas card from Dancing Gabe in the holiday season. So, uh, Gabe, right back at you. Thanks for all you do for Winnipeg. And uh, 57, it's a big number, man. Have fun. Have fun today celebrating. So, Curb Your Enthusiasm, starring Larry David, who is a co-creator of Seinfeld, back on HBO for, Jeff Braun, what season is it now? Ten? Ten, I believe, yeah. So, this past weekend, and I know you haven't watched the episode yet, Jeff, so this isn't a spoiler or anything, it's just one of the things that gets tackled during the show, which is so great at at making comedy out of kind of regular mundane social etiquette, and here's what happened on Sunday. You know, I think I'll do a little, uh, little side sit. A side sit? Yeah, side sit. I don't think that's a good idea. Why? What's the big deal? Well, it's uh, very intimate. I, this is too far to, to talk to somebody. It feels a little close. I don't think so. Okay. So, Greg, how would you describe what Larry did at the table? Okay, so quite often you will have a situation where along a wall you'll have what's more the or bench. less a bench seat. And then typically that those tables will have chairs on the other side of them, and they might be a two-top or a table for two, table for four people. What Larry did was he took the chair and he slid it into no man's land in between the tables uh, along oh. the bench and did the perpendicular, as he's calling it, the side so no, sit. But not right beside or on the bench. No, perpendicular okay, in thought, an L was... shape. Like you might do it a four, yeah, table yeah. for square table for four, where yeah. you sit uh, side by each. And that's versus, the conundrum. That's the conundrum. When Is there's it too two people, intimate? When there's two people and you're at one of those tables for four, it depends how big the table is. Mm-hmm. If you be. can reach across and hold hands with her, then I sit across. But if it's bigger than that, then I got to go side by side. Does it depend who you're with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it depends. It's uh, a hearing issue. So I'm with Larry that if the table's too big, I'll just try right. and sit right beside the person so I don't have to scream. Even if it was your boss or something? Oh, I don't I don't foresee any lunch offerings coming from the box. <laughs> so not an issue. Jeff's looking for a lunch out and a little side sit. I have no problem with the side sit regardless of who I'm with. Uh, and as Jeff pointed out, especially depending on the environment, if it is loud, I prefer that side sit. And uh, I have done the direct side-by-side. Mm-hmm. I was at the Forks Common with this when I was dating, and we thought, well, let's just sit right beside each other because it was cramped and we might have to share the table. So we just sat beside each other, and I don't know. I thought it was cute. It was my, intimate. My very first date with my husband was a side sit, and I went and sat next to him, and he's like, oh, what's happening here? And I was like, I don't know. Let's, you know, just thought we could be a little closer. We had known each other for a long time. But then I had to make him order the Caesar salad because I had also ordered the Caesar salad, and then you're too close for the side sit due to the garlic. <laughs> But you're not looking, you're not gazing into one another's eyes. Is that not uh, yeah. the shortcoming of the side-by-side mm, with the side set? You can hold hands and, you know. With the side set, you can look into one you another's eyes. you crane your neck to look you, at them. You do have to crane your neck to What about uh, old school with the pickup truck with the bench seat? Oh, I course. love a bench seat side set. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love scooching over old school. Yeah, that's, a, that's a Winkler style, we call oh, it. Oh, we call that just a good time. <laughs> 
Here's another element of this conversation I wanted to bring up. When you go to the movies, let's say you go to the movies with your buddy, not necessarily your date, but if you go with a buddy and it's not full, is it okay to say, hey, move over one seat so we both have more room? Always do that. Yeah, I do that. Got a place to put your jacket now. Yeah, because what, what am like I... Like you don't sit beside each other? No. You put a, leave a one chair in between so you can each have two armrests and you put your jacket somewhere and you don't have to, don't like, have to rub elbows them. with your yeah. buddy because it's... Cam? Uh, no, I just I just sit next to the person. Like your arms I, that even big? Even if it's my friend, I, I don't... Yeah, I've never done that, actually. You, don't really? you Why not? Le- don't you want to lean over and say things in the movie? No, yeah, not well, a movie. Exactly, yeah. Talk I gotta, during the movie. I have to make comments during the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What about during the movie? You had an interesting sidebar conversation about the movie. What's that? With the buffer, the the one seat buffer zone. Well, yeah, that's what we're talking about right now. With the because uh, one of my buddies, <laughs> he gets like mortally offended whenever right. I ask him to do this. And for ten years, <laughs> fifteen years, I'll, I'll, if the movie is quiet, I'll say, "Hey, move over one," and he looks at me like. Why? Do I stink? Do you have a problem with me? And I said, just move over. I'm, I need more room. My knees are cramped. Just get over one. Does, well, your, does, does your buddy use the urinal right next to you, too? Well, <laughs> that's where I was going next, because one of our listeners just said, doing the side sit is akin to using the urinal right next to another dude. Unacceptable. Need the buffer zone. Oh, interesting. So there we go. I uh, have no experience on this, but I would say <laughs> that there's a big difference between standing next to someone with your pants down and sharing some popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah, totally. Um, with your pants down. What at are, the urinal. Do you, think, do you think we drop our pants? I don't know. I actually saw a guy do, do that not? a couple weeks ago. What? <laughs> like a grown man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my what God. What do you mean you don't? I, I don't know. He may have had other issues that I'm not aware of or whatever. Oh, don't your pants have to come down? Is there some special... Just a little bit. No, it's called just a fly. Yeah, it's not all the way down to your ankles. <laughs> you still pull them down a little bit, don't you? No. Really? No. You unbutton and, um, and unzip... Unless you're really coordinated, then you just kind of do the zip and reach. But uh, there's no there's no dropping trowel and uh, peeing at the urinal. I'm confounded by this. I Haven't don't you get only it. seen it in, like what do you think is happening in TVs in the movie? That they're faking that it's unrealistic with the portrayal. Yeah, because they don't drop them in the. Well, movies. they can't drop it in the movies. They might not have a butt clause in their That's because you don't do butt. it in real life. That's why they don't do it in the I, movies. You know what? That's so are you saying, so you're, you teach your husband and your boys do this? I've never, like, do watched, this? I've never <laughs> gone in on the husband and said, Is that just why the McNabb family is so unpopular just, in your neighborhood? You just check, I just want to check out your peeing. It's not really a question I've asked. Well, we've educated you this morning. Well, once again. either way, I know no matter how you do it, it all ends up everywhere else besides well, the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> right now, an update, Greg, on the ODR. Yeah, for the past 10 days or so, we've been following the efforts of the Broadway Neighborhood Center to get their community rink up and running for the winter. Yesterday, I popped by to see how things were going, and it didn't take long to find executive director of the Broadway Neighborhood Center outside doing his best and then some to get things done. Spatch Mulhall removed his ice-covered balaclava long enough to chat. You call me Lawrence Spatch. Most of you say Lawrence, most people will know who I am. We're at the Broadway Neighborhood Center. Do we still call this Edward Carrier Community yeah, Rink? Yeah, see right over here is his, uh, his uh, Edward Carrier Community Rink. I think the first 
a sign we had was Edward Carrier Memorial Rink, and we and it was like, wait a second, he's still alive. <laughs> It, so, was, it was a misprint. Originally getting this thing up and running, he's been a, a, a big inspiration in the community. Well, yes, we did have ice last year, so this sort of started in the fall in September. So uh, we just had element maintenance, so Harlow and Jordan uh, uh, came and volunteered their time. So it's about $500 worth of uh, snow removal, so maybe 50, 60 uh, loads, and we made a nice hill for our... our event on uh, Saturday, which is the snowball event, February 1st. Uh, so now we're back down. All the cars are gone. The gates are up. Uh, now we're just, it's all contingent on uh, getting some sort of a rider or insurance in place so we can at least, f you know, finish this season and on a positive note with ice and, and uh, family skating and that sound of the blades cutting into the ice and pucks hitting the boards. People in the community have been champing at the bit, I suppose. What have you been hearing from folks in the community? Have you had people coming by? When's it going to be ready? Yeah, a lot of the when's it going to be ready stuff, we're, we're really, really, really pushing uh, Cities uh, Insurance Division and Community Services. Uh, Cindy Fernandez has been working with us to try to move this along quite quite uh, quickly. And we've had to fill out tons of 18 pages of insurance forms just to try to get it, try to get it done. There's a lot that is uh, a lot involved in that. So we're hoping... I think the big win for the city, for the community, for us would be to have it up and running for our festival February 1st for the snowball. It's starting to feel like it's it's happening. Look, there's, I mean, I know radio folks can't see that, but all the snow's gone. And take into consideration me, a couple of people with a snowblower would have taken us two or three days. Sure. So right now it's at the point where um, we can put down a base right away. You can't skate on it, but it, uh, the ground's frozen. So that would give us just a base to work with and then maybe 48 hours. So if we can get this done and up in uh, some, something in place by tomorrow, Thursday, we can have it ready to go. The weather's not going to be great, but we can have ice in for Saturday. So people are going to be saying, who's going who's gonna to flood this rink? Who's going to maintain it? Me. <laughs> me, <laughs> me and my community of uh, um, uh, volunteers, uh, board members, Ken Jakeman, myself, uh, Dan McMullen on the board, we're all ready to go. It's, there's just a big hose over there and there's water and uh, we just got to pull it out and get going. And, and you know, that's our job is we maintain it. We got a, we got a platoon of uh, snow blowers for clearing the uh, snow. We've got the community comes in, borrow shovels and they, you know, push the snow. And it's just like old time hockey. Like when I got started, you know. Jeez, Toe Blake, Dick Clapper, Eddie Shore, those guys were the greats. As they say, we can't say Don Cherry anymore because he's. You a, can say Don Cherry, but yeah. I think it was more the Hanson brothers that used to say oh, old yeah, time oh, yeah. hockey. The Hanson brothers, old time hockey. Reg is our coach. Yeah, sure, old time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah, yeah. That'd be... Coach, our line starts. Sure. It's a community effort to to make this happen. That that's just not a a mythical concept here this is actually what happens here this is this is blood sweat and tears of people who are involved right here in the community like yourself it absolutely is and that that was instilled in us by ken jakeman and edward carrier and and the old interviews edward would say you know they go to church uh he's from roblin in that area and they go to church in the morning 
and they'd all have their breakfast and head straight to the rink where they all get shovels and they would all clear the rink off and they'd have a whole day of skating families and getting together and he and he brought that small town vibe into this community and it's continued on if people want to help out what can they do i hear following uh, me later on that our wonderful mayor who is very supportive uh, mayor brian bowman is going to be on so maybe maybe uh you know bring it to his attention and uh and, and we can get it moved along even quicker solemn oath to make sure we do this thanks for making some time on this busy day this is uh nice to see i'll have to come back when it's all ready to skate on we'll have to have a skate yeah we'll have our first skate that'll be it'd be awesome thanks you have, you have skates of course i have skates yeah, awesome <laughs> i don't I know you don't. So as mentioned, the mayor will join us later this hour and this will be on the agenda. We tried to clear up this whole insurance issue last week in understanding even how it could get to a point that a rink wouldn't be able to function because of some paperwork. So it's amazing to see the community come together like that just to make sure it's ready in time for when that paperwork is finally processed. But I think it speaks to a bigger issue about what these rinks and community centres really mean to Winnipeggers and the work that they do there and what it means to the kids who might come out. And we talked a lot about how it helps keep youth off the streets and gives them other options. And not only do we want to ask the mayor just about this outdoor rink and the situation it landed itself in, but we've got a group that's holding a press conference this morning, a news conference about other closures that might be slated, permanent closures that could come as a result of budget cuts in the weeks and months ahead. And they want to talk about that and the meaning of the centres of that community. The fact that you've got not just the director, but volunteers clearing snow, Mm -hmm. uh, coming out with their businesses and companies to do what they can to get that rink going shows you the the deal the big deal it is to that area and you can probably walk to the to the facility in question that we're going to bring up in just a little bit from the one that we were at yesterday that is struggling to get this rink open so it's the inner city it's the core area of our of our city that needs the most in my mind recreational programs and to have them on the potential chopping block or not getting the attention they deserve, I think, is folly on our part. Good yeah, morning, exactly. Mayor Bowman. Good How morning. are you today? Great to join you both. Yeah, it's great to have you here as well on this uh, another unseasonably warm day in uh, Winnipeg. It's been uh, quite the winter. And uh, one of the... One of the neighborhood centers in our city, the Broadway Neighborhood Center on Young Street, has uh, been without ice in what we would call a part of the city that could really use uh, the recreational uh, advantages that something like uh, an outdoor skating rink, an ODR, uh, can give the community. I was there yesterday, and it sounds like they're close to the finish line in terms of getting the insurance required Spatch Mulhall mentioned that you're a big fan of this project. What yeah, can you tell us? And and has the city? What has the city done to make sure that this gets across the finish line? Yeah, I mean uh, the the work at the center. I mean they they do incredible work. I want to give a shout out to all the volunteers and uh, and everybody that that brings that community center to to life each and every day. Um, uh, I've uh, met with Councillor Rollins. She's a local councillor and a pretty passionate and proud supporter of the center. Uh, I know she's working collaboratively with. Uh, with the center, but also with the public service to try to find short-term and some long-term solutions. Is it still just an insurance question for this one center? Because we had a hard time grappling last week that some could be centers, some could be uh, funded by the city through grants, some are funded through taxpayer dollars, different kinds of ways they're getting their money. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, 
the comment was nobody really cares how they get the money, that just that they get it so they can open. So is it just this one center that it sounds like it's impacting this this insurance issue? You know, th- this is the one that we've been focused on right now. Um, and, you know, to be honest, this is a matter that the local councillor has been leading the, the resolution on. I, what I want to make sure is that we got the right people at, at City Hall attending to it, try to resolve it as quickly as possible, because obviously it, uh, it it's a it's an incredible community space for uh, for an area of the city that we want to see that recreation space made available. And you mentioned the area of the city, and we talked last week about the idea that centres like these are crucial for just the development of our youth, not just for our neighborhoods, but for keeping youth active for physical activity, but also, you know, in situations where they may be at risk populations, keeping them from making bad choices. Centers like these are integral to those communities. And we've got a group out this morning that's going to hold a news conference at 10 talking about their concerns that we might see additional problems with other community centers when it comes to this year's budget and that there could be cuts to community centers as a result of cash situations. And when we talk about crime in the city and trying to reduce crime, the other half of it is keeping kids busy. So where are we in terms of that cap that's been put for a lot of these departments when it comes to budget talks? Will we see community centers close as a result if we have to keep some of these departments to a certain fiscal responsibility? Well, the uh, public service presented uh, their options to meet the targets that had been um, uh, asked of them. And as you know, this new four-year multi-year balance budget process is the the longest and certainly the most open and transparent process that uh, we've ever seen in the history of the city. And so uh, you're right, there are a number of very difficult decisions that council will ultimately have to resolve. You'll have to wait until the budget's tabled to see what's proposed to council, and then ultimately council will make those decisions going forward. But uh, as I've mentioned, when we uh, when Councillor Scott Gillingham and I uh, presented the, uh, the this new process, which was a recommendation from some of our, our council colleagues uh, who aren't on the budget working group that, to leverage the committees. Uh, it it did mean that uh, there's more open and, tr- and transparency, and it's uh, it's it shows how far we've come at City Hall. When one of the biggest criticisms about the budget process now is it's too open and transparent. I mean, look how far we've come. Uh, at City well, Hall he, when that's the criticism. You removed the part of the conversation that says, oh, we woke up on budget day and realized X, Y, and Z are getting cut. So that's out of the equation in that sense because there's a heads up that this could be coming. But then it, it, on the flip side, it, it raises sort of this, uh, I don't know, conundrum or controversy is because we have some politicians talking about the need for more centers like these. And then on the other hand, we're saying, but we can't afford them. So well, welcome, at the end of the day... Welcome to government. Uh, we want to, you know, obviously... Uh, we want to protect uh, valuable programs and services, but uh, unlike other levels of government, we balance our books, and we're going to be balancing four years, and that does mean you, meet, you need to make choices. Um, what I was hoping to see in this budget process is more engagement from the community. Uh, there are groups that are mobilizing and advertising. Um, ultimately, decisions haven't been made. They'll be made by council, but I think the the level of engagement, which is is significant right now, given the choices that we face as a community, are significant, and that's and that's healthy for democracy. So these conversations about how to prioritize the things that are expected from the community. Obviously, when you hear from these groups that say, "Hey, we want to be on that list. We want to be at the top of the list," are integral part of the process, as you're saying, but it's frustrating from the outside looking in when you see a group 
that maybe has $150,000, that's their total budget for a year, and maybe a third, a half, maybe all of it comes from the city, and the difference between them being able to provide that service that we've at some point decided is an important part of what goes on in the fabric of our community, and they go, well, without the money from the city, we simply can't operate. How do we make sure that those sorts of things don't happen? Well, I mean, that's ultimately what you elect uh, members of council to uh, to reflect those community values. And, and I can tell you that uh, the the issue that you're raising about uh, protecting programs and services is one that we take very seriously. And, and you look at the members of council uh, that are there, they're elected because they care passionately about the programs and services that uh, that we are responsible for providing. But we do ultimately have to make some difficult choices. And I mean, obviously... Uh, Winnipeggers uh, should be engaged in the process because there are some difficult decisions that need to be made. We are absolutely listening, and that was the benefit of of letting people know in an open and transparent way um, what choices are are in front of us. Uh, they are in front of us. You don't get that benefit at the federal or provincial level. You don't have that level of disclosure about the choices that are being made by elected officials. Uh, I wish we did uh, because we'd have much more engagement to to tackle uh, big issues at other levels. But We've chosen a, a path that is much more open and transparent, and it does mean that uh, that people are going to see, wow, um, these these decisions could be made, um, and they could, but at the same time, it gives us that opportunity to hear from the community, and that's what we're doing right now while we're working on uh, the draft budget to be tabled on March 6th. The news conference, Loren, uh, mentioned at 10 o'clock is being held by a group called Budget for All Winnipeg, and it's being held at Kinsman Sherbrooke Pool, which is one of many places that could potentially be affected. I mean, this is a, a facility that's been in the news for years now. Um, I know it very well. I used to work there. Did you really? Absolutely. Yeah, I used to... Uh, <laughs> I used to drive my motorcycle there before I'd go off to Fun Mountain. So a couple of years ago, um, but uh, yeah, no, I used to lifeguard there. Uh, incredibly important facility in in uh, in uh, in that area of the city, and um, you know, uh, you know, I, I want to thank everybody for their engagement on it. I mean, uh, it it is one of the options that was recommended to to meet the the bar the budget targets. That seems impossible. That this facility that we spent millions of dollars to refurbish has been in the community. Has the community not proven that they want this pool to be a part of the fabric of the city enough for it to essentially be on the list of things we're going to prioritize for at least a decade? Can we not go more than a couple of years without seeing this facility on the list of susceptible uh, facilities. Well, we we asked the public service to provide their recommendations for how they could bring a, a four year budget into balance. This was one of the recommendations of many, and and there's some pretty difficult choices in every department. Uh, this was one of the recommendations put forward. Now we're considering, we're listening to the community, and then we'll address that in the budget when it's tabled, and then ultimately council will vote on it. So I think it's important for people to keep in mind that these are recommendations to to. To, to bring the budget into balance. Uh, they are not final decisions. We will, as a council, make those decisions uh, in due course. We last year at this time, and, and it's an annual debate and conversation in terms of the dollars that get spent or don't get spent when it comes to budget. Last year at this time, there was a lot of back and forth over the idea that what you were getting from the province wasn't what you needed or it wasn't what was promised, and there was all sorts of different claims being made. This week, we've been talking about ambulances in the city. It's another big topic that's come yep. out, and the ask from the fire paramedic service saying they've passed the point 
to which they can return. They're too busy. They need these six new ambulances, not replacement ambulances, but additional ambulances. And that had the province responding that they've given more funding to WFPS than any other part of the health department and that that's the way it's going to be. This is that's the money they're going to get. So is, is there anything else in the city budget that can give or does that really fall back on the province? Yeah, health care is debate? a provincial is a provincial responsibility and we are a contractor to the province. And so we've been without a contract since 2016. We've been at the table and uh, trying to. Uh, uh, have an agreement that provides... You're talking uh, about a contract just to clear up between what shared health would pay the city for the services? Yeah, or? I mean, the, the level of service is is uh, is prescribed by the province. The province uh, is in the business of healthcare, education, uh, and many other services. Um, we are a contractor to the province, and so we've been at the table. We've continued to provide the service at the at the level that the, the funding is is provided, um, at our most recent finance committee meeting, there is an outstanding account of about $2 million. Uh, my understanding is the, the the bills have been generally paid over the last couple of years. Uh, but the sooner that we can provide uh, certainty to, to everybody in terms of the service levels and funding, the, the better it would be for, for everybody. But of, of course, um, you know, this is uh, one of those areas where uh, it is, uh, it's healthcare and we, we're providing a contract service to uh, to the province. Confusing for people, we only have a couple seconds here. The, the province said WFPS has received more funding in the last four years than any other level of government, and they've increased funding by 84% since 2016. Well, you can check the facts at Finance Committee. It's published every month in terms of the uh, the, the the bills and, and how monies are paid for the Winnipeg Ambulance Service. And so, but let's keep in mind, provincial authority, provincial responsibility, we're at the table. They may choose to provide... Uh, greater supports and enhance the service uh, or decrease it. But that's at that's at the discretion of the province. But one of many departments that could be feeling a, a pinch in a month's time with when it comes just to budget talks, period. Fire, no, fire. this is a provincial. We're, Not we're the ambulance it. question, but the firefighters yeah. have also talked about closing halls, okay, all that, those kinds of things. That's another, yeah, fire, police. I mean, these are areas of, uh, of, of municipal jurisdiction. But when it comes to ambulance, um, that's a matter. I don't know if you're having the health minister on next to talk about this, but... I'm here and I'm happy to discuss it with you, but the sooner we can get a, a contract, the better. Winnipeg Mayor Brian Bowman joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Mayor, thank you for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. Manitobans going bonker over bingo. Really bonkers. Bonkers? Bonkers, bonkers plural? Bonkers. Did I say bonker? You said bonker. That was, thinking, a, that was a video game, wasn't it? You're thinking of Dan Vatabonker. Yeah, <laughs> CJOB employee. Yes. Or, or, or it was Conker's bad for a day. I think. Anyway, yeah. I'm. I, see, I told you the no sleep thing yesterday. I'm going bonkers. They're going cocoa for cocoa puffs, yeah. and the cocoa puffs in this case are Kinsman jackpot bingo cards. A record jackpot. Is it fifty-one numbers or lo- less? Fifty. Fifty numbers or less. That's the voice of Kathy Kennedy. We affectionately referred to her as KK, and she's a host of Kinsman Jackpot Bingo. You see her nails on the TV every <laughs> Saturday Best hands evening. Best oh, yeah. Don't you know it? <laughs> Kathy, this is insane. I have never in, and listen, I have been hosting this show off and on now for almost 30 years, and I have never seen anything like this kind of crazy in the last couple of months. The backstory is the, the jackpot hasn't been won in weeks, right? And it so- has not been. And so it has climbed to over $640,000, which is uh, up for grabs this Saturday. And, uh, you know, 
I just shake my head at all of it. I really am at a loss for words. And and it's wonderful because it's it's a win-win. It's a win for the community and for Kinsmen because they take those bingo dollars and they do some incredible work for some incredible organizations. But I I am saddened to see the lengths to which people are going to try and get their hands on cards. It just is mind-boggling. Kinsman posting yesterday and then removing that post because they didn't want to label everybody with the same brush, I'm right. assuming, right? But there had been some people who were potentially chasing down the courier drivers who are dropping off these yep. tickets or calling in to say, where in the next batch coming in? And I have a question for you about that in a second, Kathy, but I want to play you some audio because while we were talking about this this morning, a listener texted in to say that the Russell IGA, so that's north, I'm going to put Minidosa in here, northwest of Minidosa on Highway 16, the IGA in Russell has a lineup outside as of a few minutes ago, just before doors were opening. And Ashley, who's the store manager there, kind of described the scene for us. They've been waiting for the tickets to come in. We usually have them on Monday, but they, they were late this week. So we had people phoning all week asking when we were getting them. Finally got them yesterday, and now they're all lined up waiting for them this morning. Tell me what what's happening outside your store as, as they wait for doors to open. Uh, they're just all in a line. There's probably, well, now there's more cars coming in. There's probably about 20 people at the door waiting and more people getting in line. Have you ever seen this before for anything that you've sold at the IGA? No, I haven't. And why do you think this is? Like, what are what are customers saying when they call, Ashley? Uh, they just want to have bingo tickets. <laughs> and how many do you have? Do you have enough to, to meet the demand? No, we got shorted our order. We only got 150 tickets, and people usually buy more than one, so I, they're going to sell out pretty quickly. So t- back this up for me. You've been getting calls from people for the past few days saying, when are you getting your tickets? Yeah, just asking if we have them in yet or if we have any. And how many years have you worked at the store? I've worked at the store for about, uh, I think, nine years. And have you ever sold anything else that's had people line up before doors open? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> and are, do people even ask you for favors? Like, if anyone called to say, hey, like, I'd like to be able to get a ticket, could you put one aside for me? We've had people ask, but we're not, just in fairness to everyone. So how quickly will these go, do you think? Uh, I think, <laughs> I don't even know if we'll get through the lineup with with how many we have. So they're playing nice in Russell, lining up at least for the moment, Kathy, but we've been hearing other stories and there's just big concerns uh, in the sense of doing the right thing. This is a great charity. It's well, a good cause. Yeah. Everybody maybe just cool your jets a little bit. That's what everybody has to keep in mind is, is the fact that this is a charity and that means that uh, all the workers who are you know just working tirelessly to get these cards out, they're volunteers. These aren't paid people. They aren't profiting from this bingo. These are volunteers putting in countless hours in the last couple of months to try and keep up with this demand because we've never seen anything like it in all the years. Uh, Those lineups, though, Loren, happening inside the city of Winnipeg this morning at other retailers. I can tell you this in regards to phone calls. So Saturday night after hosting the show, I walked into, and I I don't, I'm not going to name the retailer, but I walked into the, the retailer to pick a little something up on the way home. And the woman behind the till looked at me and said, did you give it away? And I said, no, I didn't. And she went, oh, no. <laughs> like she, she wanted it gone. She wanted it <laughs> gone because she said, we're going to have to put the phones on hold again. My word. Wow. Now, you mentioned profit. Are there others 
are there profiteers well, out there? Well, you know what? Sadly, Greg, and this is something that, uh, you know, we haven't wanted to shed light on this uh, side of things because it, it's just sickening as far as I'm concerned. But there have been people who have been purchasing multiple cards and then turning around and selling them for profit. And uh, Like where? It, like on, on websites? Uh, websites and behind stores. Come on. And, yeah. Like it's, a backroom deal. Yeah, like a- completely. And, and, you know, I mean... People, this is A, bingo, B, it's charity, right? You know, please keep that in mind. Uh, and, and look, we don't want to blanket everybody with this one big bingo blanket. It's a, a 0.1% of people who are doing this, but they're giving this, you know, a, a whole game uh, a bad name and and putting a black eye on what is supposed to be a really worthwhile and, and charitable organization doing incredible work in the city. You know, I mean, they, the Kinsman Club, Agape Table, Special Olympics, Habitat for Humanity. Heck, they donated over a million dollars to, to save the Sherbrooke Pool several years ago, which we won't even get into that. But I'm just saying, you know, everybody who, who spends their money and buys a bingo card, you know, those dollars are being put to good use in our community. They aren't going to the United States, those dollars. They're not going to Alberta. They're staying here in Manitoba. So calm down if you're harassing convenience store owners or other, Please. but more than anything, don't be reselling these things for goodness sakes. Yeah. Come on. Come K- on, Winnipeg. KK, is gonna re- you're going to rejoin us at 830? I am. Okay. We're going to do something happier then. Good. Good, because we're, we're, we're talking about a new line of Barbies. Indeed. And then uh, a poll on the Super Bowl and uh, why we watch, right? Yeah, indeed. Okay. Did you subliminally mention Beach Blanket Bingo in that this For last beach segment Malibu here? Barbie? <laughs> That's what I heard. That's the new Barbie, Greg. How did we know? Bingo Barbie. It's a bingo Barbie with the blotter. Bingo blotter Barbie. There's so much alliteration you <laughs> yeah, can do exactly. there. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.